When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. What am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. <laughs> Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Hauser, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. Last Sunday, I went busking by the lake in Zug with my partner in musical adventure, Susanna. We have a favorite spot right by the water under an overhanging street. This creates an acoustic effect not unlike a cathedral. Sometimes we spend hours playing away and looking out onto the peaceful lake, smiling at passerbys who sometimes drop a coin or two in Susanna's violin case. No two busking experiences are the same, but they are always heartwarming. Children who start dancing to our tunes, adults who listen with tears in their eyes because we play a song that resonates with a special memory. I could tell you many a story. So last Sunday we were in our favorite spot. The water was glittering under a perfect blue sky and our tunes had attracted a handful of people who stopped and listened. Among them was a woman who looked as if she had stepped out from under the hills, though we do not have the likes of fairy hills here in Switzerland, at least not that I know of. She was wearing a flowing dress made from gossamer fabric. There was a breeze, but it looked as if it was moving on its own accord. Her hair was a deep shade of red, like polished copper gleaming in the sunlight. As we played the prelude of one of our favorite Irish tunes, a romantic melody full of longing, she closed her eyes and began to sway gently to the music, engrossed in reverie. After the last notes of the tune had faded away, the crowd dispersed, but she stood for a moment as if to gather herself. And when everybody else had gone, she approached us. This episode features only one story, but what a story it is. It is one of my most favorite stories of all, brought to you by my lovely co-host Simon Brooks. Simon has a unique way of delivering his stories with hope and humor, his fabulous character voices and vocal sound effects, which will transport you wholeheartedly to places far, far away. He has also released several albums with stories, which you can find on his website. Go check it out! But first, please enjoy the first part of the wonderful Scottish tale of the Fairy Bride. In the long ago time before there were kings and queens. In the long ago time when chieftain ruled villages and villages were tribes. There was once a boatman, a fisherman, called Hagen. Hagen made his living fishing. He lived on a croft on the side of a great lock. His croft gave him food for the summer and for the winter, and he raised chickens for eggs and for meat. He wasn't a social man. Most of his time was spent fishing, 
fixing nets, tending his land, looking after the chickens. He didn't have much time for socialising. He, he was lonely, but it was neither a good thing nor a bad thing. It was just the way things were. He always looked forward to the great feast that the chieftain held every year. The feast of the winter solstice. A time to celebrate the end of the long, dark days and the return of light. When Hagen arrived at the festivities, people were already sat down eating and drinking. He walked in between the tables, he walked in between the benches and greeted old friends, caught up on old news, found out who died, who'd been born, who'd married whom, who'd left the village, seeking fortunes elsewhere. There was a great deal of food that was being eaten, a great deal of drink that was being drunk, and halfway through the night, the chieftain rose from his bench and slammed his mead cup down on the table and said, I'd like your attention, please. Uh, this year is going to be different to any other year. You see, you're going to have to pay for the foods that you're eating and the drink that you're drinking. And I have to say that I've been watching you consume an awful lot. Nah, don't worry, don't worry. I'll not ask you to pay in money or in eggs or chickens or anything like that, no. I want you to entertain each other. Every one of you is going to take a turn up, up here with me on the high table. And you're going to either sing a song, dance a dance, play a tune on some instrument or another. And if you cannot do that, then you'll be telling us a story to entertain us. Now who's first? Two brothers got up and they sang a sweet ballad to the rest of the attendees at that festival, at that feast. One after another, people went up. There were sisters who danced, brothers who sang, Cousins and aunts and uncles who played instruments. There was fiddles played, there were pipes played, there were drums beaten. It was a wonderful evening. But Hagen got more and more uncomfortable as the evening wore on. Hagen, you see, felt that his fingers were too fat and stiff from fishing and mending nets to play an instrument. And if it came to singing, well... And when Hagen ever attempted to sing, the cats would run away, dogs would bury their ears beneath their paws. The sounds were so terrible that came from his mouth. And when it came to dancing, well, people guessed that he had two left feet given to him at birth. If he didn't trip himself up, he was bound to trip up at least one or two other people. And storytelling. What can I tell as a story? Hey, last night I caught this fish. It was much bigger than the last one I caught the night before. Oh, it's huge. That's not much of a story. Hagen got more and more nervous as the evening wore on. He decided to get outside for some fresh air, maybe come up with a plan, come up with an idea of what he could do to entertain the rest of his villagers. When he stepped outside, the air was crisp. It was, there was, there was something magical about the air. The moon was full and high up in the sky, its silver rays reflected in the lake. The evening seemed so much more magical and ethereal. He heard 
a woman's voice. He, he turned and looked behind him, and there next to the shore was a woman crying. What's wrong? He said. Are you all right? The woman wept and, and said, I, I live on the island, the island in the centre of the lock, and I can't make my way back. Nobody lives out there on the island. It's barren. There's nothing but rocks and mosses. There's nothing out there. Nobody could live on that rock. But I do, she said. She insisted that she lived out on that island, the rocky island. She was so upset that Hagen said, All right, all right, I'll take you. I have a boat. It's just here. Come on, jump in. I'll row you across there. What's your name? The young woman said. Hagen? What's yours? Faye, said the woman. She was beautiful. Her features were striking, even in the, in the moonlit night. He could tell that her hair was gold and her eyes, her eyes, ah, oh, they were so deep, brown. There was, there was a hidden depth in those eyes that he'd never seen before in any other person. Facing the mainland with his back to the island, the oars plunged into the water and with good long strokes, he quickly made his way towards the island. They talked about many different things. They talked about children, although neither of them had any. They talked about family. They talked about friends. They talked about the chieftain. They talked about life. They laughed and they joked. And that row ride to the island was made so short with their conversation that it was taken by surprise when his boat brushed up against the shore. He climbed out and pulled the boat up further on the beach and helped Faye out. Now where is it you said you lived? You say you lived on this island, but there's nothing but rocks. No, she said. Come with me. And she took his hand toward a path that he'd never seen there before when he'd visited the island. He made his way up the pathway. Her hand in his she leading him to a cottage, a beautiful cottage. C come inside. I want you to meet my mother and my aunt. Uh, have a have a dram or something. Uh, maybe we can fix you some food. It's it's a long row over here. Uh, I'd like to give you something uh, for your energy to get back. Aye, that would be nice, said Hagen. And so he came inside and was introduced to Faye's mother and aunt. The three women sat Hagen down and got some food and some drink, and they sat and talked and ate and drank. And then, when the food was done, they sat down in some comfortable chairs next to a nice warming fire. Hagen, to his utter embarrassment, fell asleep. It was only for a second, but he was so ashamed of himself. I'm so sorry, said Hagen. I, I, I don't know what came over me. Look, I, I should be going. It's getting late. I, I kind of spend the night here with, with three... Beautiful women here, uh, on my own. I, I should be going. No, said Faye. Stay. Stay here a while longer. Stay here tonight. I cannot spend the night here with three women. What would people say? It'll be different if we were married, but we're not. I cannot stay here. I have to go. No, stay. But, but what would people say if I stayed? Well, then marry me, said Faye. Marry you? He looked at Faye, and she looked at him with her deep eyes. What would you be wanting somebody like me for? A gnarly fisherman like myself? 
Ah, you're quite the catch, she said with a smile on her face. You're serious, aren't you? I am, she said. He thought about his, his life alone in the croft. He thought how much he liked this woman that sat across from him. He loved her. He knew that. You'd marry me? I, I would. Then let's get married, said Hagen. And so Faye's mother and aunt performed the necessary ceremonies, and Hagen and Faye were married, and Hagen spent the night at that cottage on the island in the middle of the loch. The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Orpheus Musical Instruments, where words fail, music speaks, and we want you to speak the most beautiful sound of all. If you want an instrument that rings a heavenly sound from the moment you pick it up, look no further and come to Orpheus Musical Instruments. Whether it be a trumpet, violin, drum kit or harp, all our instruments create a magical sound from the first touch that resounds out so far and wide that it might even bring back people from the other world. Our lessons at the joint Orpheus Musical School include not only thorough training in music theory and practice, but also on how to deal with this special power. However, we do exclude liability for otherworldly visitors and all the havoc they may wreak. Trust us when we say that the sound of our instruments is worth this risk. Wait no longer and visit our shop to find the instrument that resonates the most with you. Orpheus Musical Instruments. Start speaking the heavenly language of music now. This episode is also brought to you by our new patrons Jonah and Brandy. Yes, this Jonah and Brandy. Not only are they generous supporters of the arts, they also have a magical ability. Well, they already have the power of love and a magical engagement ring. But on top of this, they also have the gift of a special sight that makes them recognize which paths in the forest, which waterfalls and which hills are really hidden doors into the other world. I am sure they could tell us of many adventures in this realm and the next. Would you like to know what your magical ability is? You can, for as little as the cup of tea and a biscuit per month. By becoming a patron, you can help us continue sharing the magic of storytelling with the world. If you sign up now, you'll get a postcard featuring one of the delightful fairy tale sponsor images and a lovely message from Rachel Ann four times a year. Become a member of the patron team by going to patreon.com forward slash storystorypodcast or storystorypodcast.com. A gleaming thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible. You are the glinting dewdrops on our perfect cobwebs. The woman in the ethereal clothing approached us and I noticed that her eyes were also the most unusual color, dark and intense like mulberries. This was incredible, she said softly and then paused, as if to decide what else to say. It reminded me of home, and that is a feeling I have not had for a long time. Thank you. She didn't even wait for us to respond, but turned away. And as she walked away, she reached into the folds of her clothes and dropped something in the violin case. Thank you, I called out, but she didn't seem to hear me. Susanna and I played on until it was time for her to catch the train home. Oh, she breathed when she gathered our earnings from her case. Look at this. Among the coins, there was a key. 
a key the size of a pinky and ornate like a piece of jewelry. A tattered label was tied to it with a ribbon. What does it say? I asked. And she read, If it is meant for you, you will find it. Huh. We were used to foreign currency in the case, but no one had ever left something like this. We divided the coins into two equal piles, and Susanna suggested that I hold on to the key since I live here in Zug, and who knows when I might stumble onto something. And hold on to the key I did. Still do. I carry it on a fine long chain around my neck, and I'm always on the lookout for the lock it might fit into. Perhaps one day I'll find it, and I promise you will be the first to hear about it. And now, back to the second part of Simon's telling of the fairy bride. And he spent the night there, the next night there, and the night after that. In fact, he didn't leave the island at all. He stayed there. They had everything they needed. They had, they had some goats, chickens. They had food enough for all of them. There was no need to leave the island. Everything they needed was there. Time flew by. The days turned to weeks, weeks to months. And soon, Faye was carrying a baby. And it wasn't long before they had six wee bellens running around the island, the air filled with their laughter, with their joy. Hagen loved his children. Hagen loved his wife. And she loved him too. One day when he was playing with the children and amongst the reeds on one side of the island, one of the boys found a pole and pulled it out of the reeds. The, the pole was flattened out at one end, broader than the rest of it. He asked his father what it was. Hagen took it in his hands and turned it around. I don't know why I know this, but I think it's an oar. Aye, I'm certain that this is an oar. But I don't know why I knew this. He looked in the rushes and he saw something that looked like a, a really large bathtub. One end of it was flat, however, and the front end of it was pointed. He climbed into it. It was made of wood and found another oar in it. Aye, and this is a boat, he said to his children as they looked at him. Are you going to be all right, father? Aye, I'll be fine. I remember what this is. And he pushed himself out of the reeds with one of the oars, set them into the cradles, the rollocks, and with one stroke pushed himself away from the island. Where are you going, father? Ah, this is fun. This is fun. I used to do this all the time. I remember now. And he rowed some more and more, and he laughed and waved at the children, and the children laughed and waved back. His arms felt good. The air through his lungs felt good. Another big, strong pull on the oars. And the boat cut through the waves again. The children got smaller and smaller. He could hardly hear them now. And then he saw his wife, Faye. She joined the children and she waved madly at him. And he waved madly back. I'll be right back, he said. She was shouting and waving at him, but he couldn't make out the words. But he'd forgotten the feeling of rowing and, and how good it felt. How deep inside him this was. And he rowed and he rowed. And suddenly, the boat came upon the mainland shore. He tried to push the boat off, but he couldn't get it off the beach. 
So he climbed out of the boat, stood on the mainland, and walked the boat into the lock once more, jumped into it, and began to row back. But as he rowed back, the air started to change. The sky got darker and darker and darker, but it wasn't as if there was a storm. It was as if the day had suddenly ended. Stars came out into the sky. A full moon was right there, high above him. He rode to the island and beached his boat, pulled it up onto the shore, and made his way to the path. But the path had gone. There's only one island on the lock. Where's the path? I've walked it a thousand times. In the blackest of nights. In the brightest of days. Where's the path gone? He made his way over the rocks and over the brush. Where's the cottage gone? He called out for Fay. He called out for his children. But only his voice echoed back. In the chill night. He ran around the island and looked in every nook and cranny, every cove and inlet of the island, the small island that it was. He searched it, crying out again and again for his wife and his children. Tears began to pour down his face. He climbed back into his boat and rowed back to the mainland. His boat beached. He pulled it up onto the shore. He ran towards the village, towards the chieftain's hut, to the halls. As he made his way in, the whole village was there. There was Jimmy Mack, playing the fiddle. He'd been playing that fiddle. How many years ago was it now when I left? He was playing the same song as well. The song finished and he ran up to the chieftain. I've, I've lost my wife and my children. What are you talking about, lost your wife? You're not married. You have no children. Where have you been anyway? We've been looking for you. It's about time you came up and, and did some kind of entertainment. No, what do you mean I'm not married? I've been married for years. I have six children. Six children? How can you have six children when you've, when you've just been outside for five minutes? That's impossible, said the chieftain. No, said Hagen. It's true. And Hagen told the chieftain the story of the woman, Faye, that he'd met outside, how he'd rowed her to the island, and they'd lived together in a cottage and had six sweet burns. Tears rolled down his face. When I got back to the island, she'd gone, the house had gone, my burns are gone, my life has gone. Hey, that's a good story, Hagen. That's the best story yet. No one's going to be able to talk that story. It's not a story, it's true, I tell you. It's true. Aye, you certainly tell it as if it's true. Hagen did not remarry. Every year, on the winter solstice, he would row out to the island, hoping that some miracle would occur, hoping that he would find Faye and their six children his mother-in-law, Faye's aunt, the cottage with the goats and the chickens, hoping beyond hope that one day he would row out there and find them waiting for him. But the years went by, and the years went by. His hair went white and slowly began to fall from his head. His hands froze in arthritis, 
That year when he rode out there, he thought to himself that this was going to be the last year that he'd be able to make his way out to the island. He could barely grasp the oars as he rode across the lock. The moon was full in the sky when he beached his boat, climbed out of it, and his old stooped frame with the few remaining white hairs and his gnarled hands pulling the rope, pulling the boat up onto the shore, he turned, and there he saw Faye, as young and beautiful as she had always been, with her arms open, her voice calling him, and the six children smiling and laughing as Hagen made his way up the path and towards the cottage that was their home. To the Story Story podcast. Show the love. Find Simon Brooks at simonbrooksstoryteller.com and of course here on the podcast. Tell him you heard him on the podcast and now want to hear him tell more stories. If you have questions or comments for the podcast, you can send them to us at storystorypodcast at gmail.com. You can also connect with me directly at isabelhauser.com. If you get in touch, let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. The inspiration for the fairy tale sponsor was my harp lesson in my town's music school. The true fairy tale was indeed inspired by last Sunday's busking by the lake with Susanna, and the music is by Poddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week, but until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive